Nearly 70% of physicians and surgeons are employed by hospitals, health systems, or other organizations. And for most of those doctors, their malpractice insurance is provided for them. But while it might seem convenient for your insurance to be taken care of by your employer, there may be some limitations in your malpractice policy that you're not aware of. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the three biggest risk areas for employed physicians and give you specific action items for each so that you can practice confidently in the years to come. Welcome to Malpractice Insights, the show dedicated to helping healthcare professionals understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. My name is Jennifer Wiggins, CEO of Aegis Malpractice Solutions, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. If you're new to our channel, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We release a new episode every week, both on YouTube and your favorite podcast streaming platform. So be sure to like and subscribe to stay connected. Now, just a quick reminder before we jump in, we're here to provide general information on medical malpractice insurance and related topics, but not specific legal or insurance advice. So if you have a question about your practice or individual coverage needs, be sure to contact your agent or legal advisor or contact us at aegismalpractice.com. That's A-E-G-I-S malpractice.com. We'd be happy to help. Well, healthcare providers who work as employed physicians for hospitals or large networks face unique professional liability risks. When you step into an employment arrangement, your malpractice insurance is generally provided for you, but that means you have very little control over the type of coverage that you have. There are three critical risk areas that employed physicians need to be aware of as they step into their duties. So let's unpack those a little bit. The first critical risk area is the issue of limited scope and duty coverage. Most employed physicians' malpractice policies are not written on a broad form. They are limited scope and duty policies. This means that your policy only covers you for claims related to the work that you do for your employer. If the incident that led to a complaint falls outside the scope of your job description or falls within a policy exclusion, you may not have coverage. So, for example, if you're an employee at ABC Health System, your malpractice insurance only covers you for the work that you do on behalf of ABC Health System. Any other work that you do, perhaps as a volunteer at the local walk-in clinic or serving as the team physician for your son's baseball team, is likely not covered under your malpractice insurance through the hospital. In order for you to have coverage for outside medical work, you must have other malpractice insurance. Good Samaritan laws protect you only in emergency situations. So if you have professional medical services outside of the scope of your employment, even if it's just as a volunteer or a favor to your neighbor, you need to have a separate policy in order to be covered. Many carriers do offer moonlighting policies or part-time malpractice insurance policies at discounted rates. So obtaining additional coverage is generally really affordable. So here's your action item on this topic. 
Ask your employer if your policy is limited in scope and duty. Find out specifically what you're covered for and what you're not covered for. And then if you need to secure supplemental insurance, contact an agent to go get coverage. The second critical area involves individual defense. If you are named in a malpractice lawsuit along with your employer, many times the same defense attorney will be appointed to represent all of the parties involved. This means that one attorney or firm would represent you, any other doctors or medical staff that's named in the lawsuit along with the hospital or the facility itself. And while there certainly are advantages to having a joint defense, often physicians feel that they are not represented the way that they'd like to be. Doctors want to have an advocate and someone that is going to fight for them specifically, and a joint defense can sometimes complicate this. So without an individual defense, physicians can get swept up into settlements, even if it's a situation where they didn't do anything wrong, simply because the hospital wants to resolve the claim quickly and quietly. Fear of adverse judgments and negative public perception might increase the hospital's interest in settling claims where the potential damages are really large, even if the physician believes that their actions were appropriate and that they met the standard of care. So this can cause issues for doctors in the future since any paid malpractice claim or settlement on their behalf gets reported to the National Practitioner Data Bank. The National Practitioner Data Bank is an online database that houses reports with medical malpractice payments and certain adverse actions related to healthcare practitioners from all across the country. And unfortunately, your malpractice claim history is a permanent record that hospitals and credentialing organizations and malpractice insurance companies and future employers can all view publicly. So if you feel that your individual interests are not being served during a malpractice case, then ask for your own attorney. It's important that doctors are their own advocates in this area, so don't hesitate to ask for a defense attorney to represent you individually if you need it. So here's your action item on this topic. Ask your employer what happens in the event that you're named in a malpractice suit along with other individuals and the organization itself. Ask specifically if you'll be given your own attorney or if you're going to be sharing with everyone else. You might even want to know if those attorneys are in-house attorneys or if they're outside counsel. Then if necessary, ask them if you can request your own attorney should you feel that you need individual representation. It's better for you to have this agreement worked out with them ahead of time instead of dealing with it after a lawsuit has been filed. So we've talked about limited scope and duty issues and the importance of individual defense. And so now we're on to our third critical risk area, which is consent to settle. Individual physicians and their employers may have different views when it comes to the impact of a large verdict case. Consent to settle can become a big issue in these instances. When your malpractice insurance policy contains a consent to settle provision, the insurance carrier must obtain your direct written consent before they're allowed to settle a claim on your behalf. Consent to settle is really important because it allows you to play an active role in the handling of your case. It gives you a voice in your defense. 
It's important for employed physicians to ask if they have consent in their malpractice coverage, because without it, your hands are tied and the hospital can settle a case that you're involved in without your okay. And as we've talked about before, any paid malpractice claim will be reported to the National Practitioner Data Bank, and it will remain on your record forever. So here is your action item on this last topic. Ask your employer if you have consent to settle in your malpractice coverage. Read your malpractice insurance policy to know your rights when it comes to matters of individual consent. And if you need help understanding it, then just ask a knowledgeable malpractice insurance agent who can help you read through the policy and really know what it says. And if you find out that you don't have consent, then you'll need to consider what that means for you going forward. You could ask that it be added, or you may just want to consider being employed elsewhere, especially if you find out that you're going to be potentially handcuffed. It's important for doctors who are considering joining a hospital or a large healthcare organization to understand these issues surrounding malpractice insurance. The time to ask these questions is before accepting any offer or signing your contract. So take the time to educate yourself and work with a trusted advisor, either an attorney or an insurance agent, to make sure you understand all of the implications before taking that next step. We are here to help you every step of the way. So if you have any questions on this topic or you want to make sure that you're covered appropriately, click the link in the description box below where you can connect with us via phone, email, or chat today. And if you're listening, please visit us online at aegismalpractice.com. That's A-E-G-I-S malpractice.com. We have some great episodes lined up for you in the next few weeks. I hope you found this one helpful. If so, could you do me a favor and give us a like and leave a review? And be sure to be subscribed to our show so that you can catch our next installment of Malpractice Insights, where we're dedicated to helping you understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. This is Jennifer Wiggins. Thanks for joining us.